So today we are going to finish up the final installment of this series that we have called How to Fight. Now, the reason we called it How to Fight and not How to Keep from Fighting is because we discovered that conflict is inevitable. It's an inevitable in life. You can't even leave the house without dealing with conflict, and especially within family relationships. So, as opposed to just trying to avoid conflict all the time, and as opposed to just trying to win conflicts at all costs, which some of us do, what we're trying to do, we're trying to, we want to open our Bible and find out that if conflict is inevitable, how do we do it with honor, in love, and how do we do it constructively to where iron sharpens iron? And we don't destroy each other in our families and our families in the process. So conflict is not something to avoid. It's actually something that we need to be good at. We need to master. And then we talked about dirty fighting techniques, and some of you have some of those. So we talked about how to fight clean, and we learned that a clean fight is when you're fighting not to win, but for the sake of the relationship. And then last week, we went back to the idea that most conflict happens around unmet expectations, and there's this chasm between our hopes and our reality when we get married. And our hopes, when they don't meet our reality, there's disappointment that happens in the middle. But the answer that we discovered is that we have to actually submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And because of what He did for us, He asked us to treat others not like people treat others. but treat other people as Jesus treated us. So we submit to one another out of reverence and out out of awe for what God did for us. And so uh, then last week I sent you, I gave you homework to ask your significant other, your spouse, what are your hopes? What are your expectations that maybe I didn't, we didn't know about? And so if you want to catch up on any of that stuff, you can go to our YouTube channel page or website. But today, I don't want to talk about how to fight with each other anymore. I want to talk about how do we fight for our marriage, present or future. Because what happens when we get married is we, te- we tend to think, well, there's two people in our life. There's a husband and a wife. And when, if you follow Jesus, we think, oh, well, there's three people. You know, there's God there. But in the Bible, we realize that there are actually Four people, there's a husband, wife, the Lord, and then there is an enemy of all three of those that wants to get into your marriage. There's actually a fourth that wants to get into your marriage, and we're going to talk today about that fourth person. We're going to talk about spiritual warfare for your marriage, and you can apply this to your family too. Because what we tend to think is that marriage and spiritual warfare, that those are kind of like two different categories. But what I want to talk about is spiritual warfare in relationship to marriage and marriage relationships. And I want to give you a biblical perspective of this, okay? Before we get into spiritual warfare for your family and for your relationships, I want to do a little background on the spirit realm, okay? There are two realms. There is the unseen realm, which is a realm that's actually behind the actual realm that we see and feel and live in right now. And I want you to watch this. Ephesians 6.12 says, for our struggle, and this would be in any area, marriage, at your work, personal life, wherever it is, for our struggles are not against flesh and blood, this realm. It's not people. 
but they are against rulers, against the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces. That's that other realm. That's the realm behind the realm that we're talking about. Against the spiritual forces of evil in, and this is that spiritual realm, that the heavenly realms. You see, this is the place of spiritual warfare. And what God is doing in both realms is the same thing. God is a father, we sang about this morning, and he's looking to build strong families in both realms. I want you to look at the language that God uses when he describes us, okay? Romans 8, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit that you received, or in other words, when you followed or you surrendered your life to Jesus, the spirit, the Holy Spirit that you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we call Abba Father, or in other words, Daddy, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's Children, And I want you to see what God is trying to do with us is he's trying to build a family. He wants to build a strong spiritual family. In the Bible, a ton of the, the language around relationship with God is family language. All right? There's a, God's the Father. Jesus is the Son of God. We are positionally the sons of God as well. We're the children of God. And the Bible says to treat older men like fathers and older women like mothers and younger women like sisters and younger men like brothers. It has all this family language. It also says to become a Christian is to be adopted into a family. So ultimately what God is trying to do is he's trying to build a family. And not only is he doing that in this scene realm, being Christians, bringing us into relationship with God as his family, you know, where we live here in the scene realm, but he's also trying to do that in the heavenly realms. And he has, tried, he has done that in the heavenly realm. Because in addition to this world that we see is a world we don't see. And that is the spirit realm or what the Bible calls the heavenly realm. Just as this world is real, that world is real. Just as this world is filled with human beings, that world is actually filled with spiritual beings. And what God sees is one reality with two realms. Now, this is the problem that a lot of us don't understand, though, is that many of the problems that we have in our world, the seen realm, are actually caused by the unseen realm. And ultimately, a lot of the problems that we have, not just marriage, but every area of our life, are ultimately problems. They, we feel them in the seen world, but they begin in the unseen world. Okay. We've all heard about angels, right? Over 300 times, angels are mentioned in the Bible. They're spoken of in 90% of the books of the Bible. There are also categories of angels. There's hierarchies of angels, archangels, commanders, seraphim, guardian angels. So we see that there is a whole lot more going on than we can actually see. And that's because before God created families in the seen realm, he had actually created a family in the heavenly realm. Before we, mankind was created, all God had before he made us was the spiritual realm, his spiritual family, if you will. It was a heavenly family. It was, it, the Bible says they had an innumerable amount of beings. And one member of that divine family, we know him as Lucifer or Satan. He decided he would declare war on God. He attacked God's spiritual family and Satan, Lucifer, he gathered up one third.
that he throws Satan to earth and then God creates the scene realm families. He creates humans. And this is where the spiritual war comes into place. Spiritual warfare and spiritual reality, it's kind of like reality. It exists where you believe it or not. It, it affects all of us and every decision we make. And it doesn't matter whether I believe in gravity. If I drop this remote, what happens? It falls to the ground. And sometimes in that hole right there. <laughs> gravity exists whether or not I believe it or not. Satan, demons, angels, they all are real and they do exist. They do impact and affect our lives whether we believe it or not. And here's what I want you to see is that there is a war behind the war in your marriage. The problems that we have are not going to be just solved in the natural realm. And so there is the unseen realm and the seen realm. And for God, these two realms form one reality. So God made a family in the unseen realm and Satan attacked it. God made a family in the seen realm. Question, did Satan attack it? Well, let's go back. In Genesis, look, Satan even didn't even show up till after they were married, guys. Satan didn't show up. He could have showed up while he was single, but of course he didn't show up until after they were married. So if you're single, I hate to break it to you. Some of you are saying, man, I'm reading the Bible and they were naked and they got married and I mean, everything was great. Let me just tell you, you got to keep reading the story. Satan showed up, they put clothes on and they fought. That's marriage. There you go. That's it. You guys have clothes on. I know you fought on the way here. I know you did. Some of you. But so let's look at this. Genesis 2. Let's go back. Genesis 2, 24, we're going to look at the first marriage, the first family, and let's see if we can figure out what happened. So man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. So this is marriage. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Some of you guys, that's the only verse that you know about marriage right there. <laughs> hey, honey, Bible says they're both naked. <laughs> All right, so anyway, they were both... <laughs> They were both naked, but they had no shame. See, this is God's intent for marriage, all right? Now, then the serpent, and Revelation says that this serpent was, that was Satan. And so he says to the woman, now he's going to have a conversation. This seems, and this conversation seems kind of normal. How many of you have read this story and wondered, why is Eve not freaked out about talking about a snake? Or talking to a snake. How many of you ladies, if an animal talks to you, you would understand that you might have a mental illness at play? It's like, I'm not doing very good. But here's the thing is they were used to the seen realm and the unseen realm being connected. Amen. This is why it was not unusual for her. Eden was the connecting point between the two realms, heaven and earth. It's where the realms came together. So the serpent says to the woman, did God really say you can't eat from any tree of the garden? That's actually not what God said. And so Eve replies uh, for what God did say. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees of the garden. God says, no, 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 eat anything you want, just one exception. It's kind of like a parent saying, look, eat anything in the fridge, anything in the pantry. Just don't drink the bleach, please. You know, that's not good for you. This was, this was what God did. And God said, you must not eat the fruit of the tree in the garden. And he said, you must not eat from the fruit of the tree that's in the middle of the garden. Temptation is always in the middle of the garden. 
We'll get to that later. It's always in the middle of family, in the middle of marriage. You shouldn't touch, yeah, and you shouldn't touch it lest you die. God actually didn't say that. She added that part. See, Satan twisted God's word. She added to God's word. These are the two problems. You either you, we misuse God's word or we add to God's word. We always get in trouble. So then she took some and she ate it. So who sinned first, Adam or Eve? It's not a trick question. It's not a condemnation. Who? Eve. Okay, Eve. So she took some of the fruit and she ate it. And she also gave to her husband. Where was the husband? Right there. We kind of think about Adam being way off somewhere. No, what was Adam doing? Nothing. He was not doing a thing while this is all going on. Nothing. What was Adam saying? Husbands. How does spiritual warfare show up in your marriage? Are you standing guard and protecting your family? Or are you silent and passive about the things of God? Some guys are like, I didn't do nothing. Well, that was the problem. I didn't say nothing. That's the problem. God made man, man to be active, not passive in our families. Now watch this, guys. This is super sobering, okay? There's a report put out several years ago by the Baptist Press and the Promise Keepers. And if a man attend, regularly attends church, his children, when they become adults, will have a 66 to 75% chance of regularly attending church. If he attends without his wife, it's just the husband, those numbers are the same. If the wife goes to church regularly without her husband, their children, when they become adults, they have a 2% chance of regularly going to church. The Bible says the man is the head of the household, and that has nothing to do with submission. Because as we discussed last week, we know that submission is mutual. We're supposed to submit to each other out of all, out of, all of Christ. And so the man being the head of the household has nothing to do with everybody submitting to him. You see, husbands, it's not that we need to step up and be the head of the household. We actually are the head of the household, whether you like it or not. I've got a friend that works in prisons, and he, he stati says statistically, say, statistically, the main thing that contributes to whether or not men or women end up in prison, it doesn't have, it doesn't have as much to do about their race, their position in life, their economic status, where they grow up. It has to do with, is the father in the household? If he's ha absent physically, mentally, or emotionally, here's what happens. He's still the head of the household. And if he's missing in any of those areas, there's a vacuum. And who steps in? The evil one, Satan steps in. And this is whether you like it or not. The question is not, are you the head? The question is, are you a good head or a bad head? Not are you a leader, you are the leader. Obviously, you do have more influence. Now, for those of you that are domineering and overbearing, I'm not talking about that. You are not loving like Christ loves the church. That is not what I'm talking about, okay? The essence of being a man is taking responsibility. And listen, even when it's not your fault, Jesus is the bride with the bridegroom. And Jesus loves us enough that he doesn't take responsibility for things, or he does take responsibility things for things that are not his fault. Is my sin his fault? No. But you know what he did? He took those things that were my fault and he made them his responsibility. That's the essence of responsibility, even if it's not your fault. And some of us men, we're passive. 
We're not taking responsibility. What's well, not my fault? Well, it doesn't matter. It's still your responsibility. It's my responsibility. The big problem in spiritual warfare is we tend to think about it like yelling at devils, you know, and binding and loosing and casting out and all that stuff. And sometimes some of that is actually valid, but sometimes it just gets insane. But here's what spiritual warfare really tends to look like. Are you active in the spiritual health of your family? Or are we passive men who never speak up? We just leave them adrift while dad stands back and goes, I didn't say nothing. That's the problem. So now I've offended all the men. And so let's get back to the story because I still have a whole nother section of the congregation that I still need to offend. Okay? <laughs> I believe in equality. I believe in offending everybody equally. All right. So just hang on. If you haven't been offended, just hang in there. I got you. I got you. I don't want you to feel left out. Verse 7, the eyes of both of them were open and they realized that they were naked and they, were sewed, and they sewed fig leaves together. So there was so no more trust, distrust. They, they trying to cover themselves. All right. Then verse 8, the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. Now they hid from God. Think about that for a minute. When you sin and you run from God, you get stupid. Do you really think God's like, hmm, I wonder where they are? You know, where, wonder where they went. Shh, stay still, he'll never find us. No, they get stupid. But then, so the Lord call, God called to the man. Now, who did he call to first? Who sinned first? Who did God call out to first? Why? He's not solely responsible. There's group guilt here. Who's held firstly responsible? Adam was. The key to winning the war in your marriage is that men have to take responsibility and lead our family as we remain mutually submissive to each other. We all get all hung up about that whole submission thing. We're supposed to, the thing is, we're supposed to submit to each other. The question I have for us men is, are we leading well? Are we actively taking responsibility for the spiritual health of our families? Because God gave it to Adam first. And it continues, the Lord says, where are you? Which I think is a great question that for all of us men. With your kids, where are we? With our wife, where are we? With your church, where are you? With your daughter's boyfriend, where are you? <laughs> then he said, so I, Adam says, I heard your, you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and so I hid. And the man then said, so then he, the woman you gave me she gave me fruit and I ate. So Adam is an American. He's a victim here. He's a victim. It's like, okay, you know, let's turn this back, God. All right, so you and me, we were all good. All right, we were all great. But then you, you made a woman. She's not quite right, God. You know, <laughs> ever since she showed up, it's like crazy. She's got a pet snake. It's like, it's been nuts. It's been crazy. And, and I'm just sitting there. I'm doing nothing. And she ate something, and then she fed it to me. God, I mean, you know, I, it's not just a woman, but it's the woman that you made and gave to me. God, I forgive you, but you got it. This girl, man, you, you and her, you all owe me an apology. Here's what Adam's saying. I think I married the wrong woman. Yeah. 
So the woman says, so God goes to Eve. He says, so what happened? And she says, the, the serpent deceived me. So Adam's an American. Eve is Pentecostal. Because, how do I know that? Because she said, the devil made me do it. She pulls that out. Isn't it interesting that Adam was right there listening to the whole conversation, and then she turns around and gives him something to eat. He's listening to the whole conversation, and he says nothing. He doesn't jump in. He doesn't try to help. He doesn't try to protect. None of those things. But I think it's interesting that she doesn't lay any of that responsibility at her husband's feet. Like, she doesn't say, you were right there. Sometimes, ladies, when us husbands are not stepping up and we're not doing what we're supposed to do to take spiritual responsibility or, or helping you with the spiritual responsibility of your family to build a strong family, make sure you're not making excuses for us. Now, you don't have to beat us down and be overly critical and nag us. Just make sure you're not letting us off the hook. Some ladies here, you want your women, the father of your children, to step up and take more of a leadership role in your family in different areas. And by the way, the worst thing you could do right now is elbow anybody. <laughs> but listen, ladies, a lot of times we don't step up because the role's already filled. You already filled it. And now granted, you, f you filled it because you think, you feel like he is, is not filling it in. But let me say this, if there's no vacuum, we're not gonna step in. Now, don't nag us. It's not your responsibility to fix us. That's between us and God, a.k.a. no elbows. You don't need to constantly explain what we, how we fall short. Pray for us and give us the space to step in. But don't let us off the hook. So back to the story. So the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So God, at that point, makes him leave the garden and he places one of these spiritual build, uh, realms or spiritual beings, a cherubim, at the garden to, to guard it. And this was God's grace because if they continued to eat from the tree of life, they would have lived forever apart from God. So this is actually his grace. But ultimately what happened here is there was a breach in God's family in the seen realm. Satan, remember, declared war on God's family in the unseen realm, and God cast him down to, uh, to earth after he lost, and then Satan declares war on, war on God's family in the seen realm. And some of us, we need to know, it's not just you and your spouse and the Lord. You really do have a fourth person that wants to be in your marriage and wants to be in your in your family. And this is what I want you to understand very clearly today. I can give you tips and trips on how to fight well, and those are all good, and those all come from Scripture. But we've got to understand that you have an enemy, and it's not your spouse. Remember, your enemy is not flesh and blood. But you do have an enemy, but it's not him. It's not her. You have an enemy, but it, you are not one another's enemy because sometimes it can feel that way. For those of you sing, that are single, that may seem really weird to you. But for those of us that have been married for a while, we know exactly what that means. So if you're single and you're kind of like, well, that sounds weird, just ask a married person at the end of the service. We all know what I'm talking about. We have an enemy that it comes against their marriage and we, the problem is we think that that's their spouse. And we don't realize that we actually do have an enemy, but it's not them. And a lot of the teaching on marriage and relationship, my concern is it ignores the supernatural. And as a result, people get attacked, families get attacked, marriages get attacked, but they don't know why. And they think their spouse is the enemy. 
They don't realize there's a realm behind the realm. Genesis is not just what happened, it's what always happens. If Satan attacked their family, do you think he's attacking your family? Yeah. And if you think, and if he attacked their marriage, do you think he's attacking your marriage? Absolutely. And what happens is Adam is guilty. Eve tries to kind of blame shift and excuse make for him. So look, nobody gets a pass here. We're all equally guilty and we're all equally offended probably. But I'll have some challenges for you, some questions that might just help challenge us in this area. Husbands, start with us. God asked Adam, the first question in the history of the world Biblically, the first question in the Bible is God asking a man, where are you? Where am I? That must mean that that's a really important question. It's the first question. And it's got to be super significant. He says, son, I made you. I gave you some responsibility, some assignments. I also gave you my daughter. Where are you? Where am I? And I would ask all of us men, where are we? Are we actively present emotionally, physically, financially, but spiritually with our wives, with our kids, with our families? Where are we? So there's Adam, Eve, and Satan. Who is supposed to lead the family according to the Bible? The husband. And not in the way that we've been taught, you know, where, where we're, we're, men are there to be submitted to. No, that's not the case. We've already found that out. Submission is mutual. We're supposed to lead in the same way that Jesus leads the bride of Christ. And guys, that was, he gave himself up for her. So us husbands are supposed to lead in a way where we give ourselves up for our families and for our wives. We're servants just like Jesus. He came to serve, not to be served. And husbands, we're there for servant leadership of our family. And so, with Adam, he doesn't lead it, so who leads it in his stead? The enemy did. So we got to understand if... I'm missing a slide. If Satan doesn't lead our family, or if we don't lead our family, Satan is going to. There's a vacuum there. He's coming for your marriage. He's coming for your family. He's coming for your grandkids. He didn't just go after God's family. He's coming after your family, my family. If he came after Adam's family, he's coming after our family. And we all need to have our eyes open to actually see the truth and have our, heart, our hearts open, men, to love the Lord and to invest in our families. So, wives, let me ask you, where has the enemy showed up in your marriage? Now, remember, it was in the middle of the garden. The tree was in the middle of the garden. It was in the middle of everything that was going on, and it was forbidden. But also, Eve was really close to the tree. And so my question with, for Eve was, what was she doing so close to the forbidden tree? Satan showed up in their marriage. Ladies, Satan's going to try to show up in your marriage. And so what has the enemy been telling you about your marriage? Satan showed up. He had a conversation with, with Eve as it related, related to her and, and God. What is Satan saying to you? It could be the same thing. Did God really say? You may be getting really close to that forbidden tree, and, he, and, and he's saying, uh, but God, did God really say? You're not sinning yet. Or he could be saying, you know, well, your husband's always going to change. He's always going to be like this. It's never going to change. He's never going to be any different. 
What's the enemy saying to you? Now, two questions for all of us together. What is our forbidden tree? In every marriage, a couple is gonna have a, or, or a couple of forbidden trees. For some of you, it might be drugs, too much alcohol, pornography, anger, violence, overspending. Maybe uh, you're entertaining that sweet guy or that cute lady just a little too much. But in every marriage, there is some forbidden fruit. And usually it's in the middle of the marriage, just like it was in the middle of the garden. But we've got to learn to walk around it, walk by it. Don't stay near it. What is your forbidden tree? Because you've got to realize that the storyline of the Bible is the war came after the wedding. Warfare came after the wedding. The storyline was wedding, then war. And how many of us, that's our experience? We thought, I can't wait till we get married and it's all going to be easy. We're in love. He's so sweet. She's so awesome. Spiritual warfare looks a lot like two people walking in God's will against enemy fire for decades until they get to hold their grandkids together. That's what it looks like. So is there any hope? Yes, yes there is hope. And here's why. Because God shows up in Genesis 3 and he promises, he kicked them out of the garden, but he promised them that Jesus would be coming. And he says, look, Adam, you blew it. Eve, you blew it. Jesus is going to fix it. And so we get a gift. His name is Jesus. And he came down to actually live the life that we live, but yet in a perfect, perfect nature. And he let men nail him to a cross. And on that cross, he showed us the essence of what it means to truly take responsibility as an example to us. He took responsibility even when it wasn't his fault. And he died in our place for our, our sins. None of it was his fault, but he made it all his responsibility. And guys, that's the nature and the essence of what love is. Sacrificing for the benefit of somebody else, even if it's not your fault, they're your family. And it becomes our responsibility because we want to be in responsibility for that. We want to be in relationship with that person so much. We'll do anything we can to actually maintain and secure that relationship, even if it's not fair. I'm not talking about abuse. I'm talking about normal family conflict. And Jesus, look, if you're here, you don't follow Jesus and you're trying to fix your marriage and you're going to learn some things to make your marriage better. But before you apply any principles, I want you to know Jesus because he will bring power and authority into your marriage. And Jesus can take a couple that's at war and at war with each other remove the sin, open their eyes, and actually give them a loving and unified relationship so that they could actually stay against their real enemy and they don't think that one another is their enemy. And today, if you don't follow Jesus in just a minute, we're gonna explain it and give you an opportunity to surrender your life and follow Jesus. But for right now, you might be sitting there going, okay, Micah, all right, so I'm bought in. There's an enemy I can't see. There are spiritual forces that are against my marriage and my family that, that want to keep us from building a strong family. So how? How do we fight for our marriage? What is this spiritual warfare? What does that look like? Put handles on it for me. And for that answer, you're going to have to come back next week. Because, well, the bad news is that this is the end of the marriage series. 
But the good news is next week we're actually starting a series that are actually going to help give you the tools to fight for your marriage, to do spiritual warfare in your marriage. And not only in your marriage, but we're gonna, what we're going to teach you is going to help you in every area of your life. Paul describes to us that we're, we're in a war. And in that war, we have spiritual armor, calls it the armor of God. And out of that armor, everything's defensive except for one offensive weapon. And starting next week, we're going to teach you how to use it. So I hope you've enjoyed how to fight. Would you guys stand?